Well, church, if you have your Bibles, open them to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 for the series that we are continuing to go through on spiritual gifts. We started in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we have just been going chapter by chapter by chapter through this amazing book. Remember, it's Paul writing to the saints, to the church at Corinth. There was just lots of different types of people in this church. And so he's just giving answers to questions that they've had, and also he is addressing things that he's heard. But first, let's pray and ask the Lord to help us to understand what is being said today. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you that um, you've given us your word. And so, Lord, we want to honor it. We want to respect it. We want to love it. And so, Lord, we're going to proclaim it today. And I just ask that you would help us to understand it by the power of your Holy Spirit. And then also you would apply it to our lives, Lord. Give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding to be a people that worship the truth. Lord, I pray that um, we would do what you have called us to do. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So this message is titled Spiritual Gifts Part 6. And this is on tongues, tongues, tongues. This is the big one. This is the one that is just, there's just a lot of different thoughts about, lots of confusion about. And so let me bring up, remember that one day we had five different kids come up here and one child stood right here and that child represented the view that all of the gifts have ceased, which means stopped. There are no more gifts. This child represented the view that some of the gifts are still working today. Some of the gifts have ceased. This particular view is that all the the gifts are still in operation today, but no more than what we see in Scripture, but also no less than what we see in Scripture. This one is there are some, you know, extra gifts, some things that we don't see in Scripture. There's just um, kind of... um, Just, yeah, just they think there's more. And this is the absolute gone crazy, bark like a dog, and say that the Holy Spirit caused me to do that. This is the uncontrollable laughter and people getting slain in the spirit and falling down. This is this area. Now, I personally believe in this area right here, the one that believes that the gifts are for today, but only as we see them in Scripture, only as we see them in Scripture. And so if that's the case, what I want to do is we want to look at tongues and look really carefully at what the Scripture says. Now, unfortunately, the word tongues already makes us think, wait a minute, that is something weird, not normal. And one of the authors says, it's unfortunate that that use, uh, the English translation uses tongues, the gift of tongues, because we don't use that in our everyday language. Because in the Greek, that word glossa could either mean tongue, as in the physical tongue, or it could mean language. It could mean language. So when I say, yes, someone has the gift of tongues, people that are in this camp think, oh my goodness, and they think of this person right here. Now, if I translated that word from the Greek to the English using the word language, which is also done, then if I said someone has the gift of language, everyone's like, oh, okay. 
Okay, I'll, I'll put my defenses down and, okay, tell me more about this gift of language and also the gift of interpreting language. And so what I'm talking about is a known language in the world. And so when we see that, I want you to think, okay, it's not tongue, tongues. I mean, it could be transferred that. If someone says, you're speaking to me in my native tongue, what you mean is that you're speaking to them in their language that they understand. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to take out that word tongue because it's not something that we use in normal English when we're talking about someone talking the way that we talk. And I'm going to insert the other Greek meaning or the way that you can interpret that as language. So look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 10. And let me just kind of read the context. Remember, Paul is explaining the different varieties of gifts, as he says in verse 4. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives the gifts. So if you're new with us, the Bible says this, that if you are a Christian, that the Holy Spirit has given you at least one gift. God inside of you has given you a gift to serve other people, to serve other people with that gift. Okay, So look at verse 10. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of languages to another the interpretation of languages. Okay, so hopefully those that have, are on this camp have lowered their defenses just a little bit so they understand that I'm not claiming this, I'm claiming that we're talking about a known language in the world, but it's gonna be unknown to the person that is, has this gift. You say, well, Rusty, how does that work? Well, first let's do a brief uh, explanation of languages, okay? So if you turn to Genesis chapter 11, verse 1, or I can read it for you, because here's the thing. Sometimes we just jump into something and we assume that everyone is on the same page. But let me read this. First, or Genesis 11, chapter 1. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. Okay, so this is in Genesis. This is what the Bible is saying. The whole earth had one language in the same words, one language, one tongue, okay? Now, Genesis chapter 11, 2 through 9 says this, And as the people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves. Let us be dispersed over the face of the earth. Okay, so the people got together, and they started saying, basically, let's kind of form a religion for our glory, for our glory. Now, remember the Tower of Babel? This is what we're talking about here. So everyone in all the earth is speaking the same language, the same tongue. They get together and say, hey, let's build this tower for our glory. And verse 5 says this, And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people. They have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us 
go down and there confuse their language. If you're someone that always tries to look for the Trinity in the Old Testament, there's a, one little thing there. It says, let us go down. Let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. Verse 8, so the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them from over the face of the earth. Okay, so let's take a 40,000-foot view, as in you're in a huge jet, you're looking down, and you can see the huge landscape. So the landscape is this. God created man. Man had one language. Man started doing all this stuff because they're able to communicate. There was no barrier on what they can do. They got together and said, hey, let's form a religion. To us, they make this tower that displeased the Lord, and the Lord came down and confused their languages. So now there's a ton of languages. There is a lot of different languages. In fact, um, sometimes... You know, we, uh, there's a huge barrier. I remember going down to Columbia on a missions trip. And we get there, and people in Columbia speak a different language than us. And so in order for me to communicate with them, I have to have a mediator. And this person comes, and I say something to this person. This person translated it from my language into this person's language. There's a differences of languages, a different tongue. Now, funny story, <laughs> I was with my cousin, and we were in Southern California. I was like in high school or something. But he thought, we were trying to talk to a guy that spoke Spanish, and he thought you just added an O onto every English word, which made it Spanish. I was, need to say, embarrassed. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10 says this, to another various kinds of languages, to another the interpretation of languages. So that is the gift that we are going to highlight today. But first, turn to Acts chapter 2. I do want you to actually turn to this one because we're going to see what I think this gift in action. So we're going to see it in action first, and then we're going to jump back to Paul's explanation for how the gift works the rules of the gift. Okay, so Pentecost. Jesus has already been taken away. He's ascended to the Father, and they're waiting for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So it'd be like this, that we're all gathered together. We saw Jesus. We, the cross is empty. We physically saw him with our eyes. He's now with the Father, and we're waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit to come down to earth and fill us. So imagine this is you in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 2. When the day of the Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, glossa, tongues, other languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance. So here's how it is. We're sitting there. The Holy Spirit comes down, is inside of us, and then we start to speak in other languages that we don't know. Now, that's not weird. I mean, I mean, what I mean is if you say they started speaking in different tongues, you think, tongues, what are you talking about? But if you use the other way that we can translate that word for tongues, 
we insert language. So then we're sitting here, filled with the Holy Spirit, and then Steve starts to speak in another language that he doesn't know. And he's praising God, let's say in Portuguese. He doesn't know Portuguese, but now Steve is praising God in Portuguese. And then Kelly back there. Kelly is pre, you know, praising God in French. Wouldn't you guys like to see that, Kelly? You know, you got to learn some French, Kelly. But he, he's praising God in French. And then Hannah is over there, and she starts praising God in Spanish. Rachel is praising God in Italian. Like all these things that they don't know, these languages they don't know, they're praising God. So that's what's happening in this. Look at verse 5. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Aren't all these speaking Missourians? How in the world do they know these different languages? Verse 8, And how is it that we hear each one in his own native language? Parthians and Medes, Eliamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues, glossa, languages, the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking, they are filled with new wine. So some people started mocking, saying, You know what? They've just been tipping it a little early. Verse 14, but Peter, standing with eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and give ear to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose. This is only the third hour of the day. It's still the morning. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Remember he quoted Joel that the Holy Spirit would be poured out. That was way back in the Old Testament. And he says, listen, this is what was prophesied, that the Holy Spirit will be poured out on men. Verse 22, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him and in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men, God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. So he goes and he preaches the gospel. He preaches the gospel. But look what happened. Look in verse 41. So those who received his words were baptized and were added to that day about 3,000 souls. I mean, you talk about every preacher's dream. You know, you get all these people together, you preach the gospel, and then 3,000 people respond and come to Christ. So let's look at the scene. They're all together. People start praising God in a language that these other people know, but the person that is 
speaking does not know. They are perplexed, like, dude, how in the world do they know our language? How can we hear them proclaiming God's words? How can we hear them actually not proclaiming God's words, proclaiming praises to God? And then Peter stands up, and he doesn't start to uh, um, speak in a tongue. He starts to preach the gospel, okay? So he starts, he preaches the gospel. People hear the gospel. They respond, and they get saved. That is an example of how this gift works. So hopefully, if you've never really understood languages or tongues, it's taken all the mystery out. This is so unfortunate. This person right here that does all this crazy stuff and they, they say, it's the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit. Because then these people, that are the ones that say, listen, if that's it, it's definitely ceased. But that's not what we see in Scripture. We see right here. This is condemned. There's no justification for this side. So now what we want to do is we want to take a closer look at the gift of languages. So turn back or turn forward to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So remember, there's a lot of stuff going on in this church. It was awesome because there was a lot of spiritual gifts being used, but there was confusion. There was disorder. Paul says, hey, listen, that's great that the Holy Spirit is moving, but our God is a God of order. Our God is a God of order. And so he's going to come back and he's going to teach the Corinthians how to use these gifts. Okay, so I'm going to walk through 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to highlight how we see this gift operate. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. First, tongues or languages is... A person speaking to God. God's praises, praising the Lord, praying. It's from men and women to God. Now, that's different than what we saw prophecy. Prophecy is God speaking to men. It's different. Okay? So we see in Acts that was exactly what happened. We hear them proclaiming God's goodness Praising God in our own tongue. It's man to God. That's how the gift of languages works. So that's the first thing that we want to know. Because in the future, we're going to see uh, the uh, gift of interpreting languages. And if someone said, I have the gift of interpreting languages, someone spoke in a tongue or an unknown language to that person. And this person says over here, yeah, here's what God is saying. You guys should definitely, you know, have the barbecue. Well, that doesn't make any sense because we know that in Scripture that tongues or languages is man to God, not God to man. We've got to be careful because we want to make sure we stay biblical. All right, jump to verse 10, 1 Corinthians 14, 10. There are doubtless many different languages in the world and none without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. 
Okay, so first thing, we always have to remember that the gifts are for the building up of the body. That's the main use of the gifts in the church, okay, to build up the body. Verse 13, therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. Okay, so we're building up the body. The Bible says this, if you speak in an unknown language to yourself, that you should pray that you also have the ability to interpret or I think it's safe to say that someone else in the congregation has the gift to interpret that language. The gift to interpret that language. Okay? So that is what Paul is telling us. Look in verse 18. I thank God that I speak in tongues or languages more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Okay, first thing we want to note is that Paul speaks in languages more than all of them. Now, in order to put what he just said about five words versus 10,000 in an, an unknown language, we want to bring in verse 5 to make a nice little um, complete package there. Let me just read to you verse 5 of chapter 14 to make it all work. Now I want you to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Okay, so here's kind of the understanding is that if someone had the gift of languages, then there's really no need to use that gift in the church if there's no one to interpret what is said. So here's what Paul's saying. Listen, I would rather proclaim God's word, say five words that everyone understands, than 10,000 in a word that no one understands unless there's someone there to interpret those words. Does that make sense? So if someone came to me and they said, hey, Rusty, I have the gift of languages, I would say, okay, awesome. Is there anybody here that has the gift of interpreting languages? If it's no, I say, hey, God bless you. You got to sit down. It's very clear in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 14, 21 says this, thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. Jump to verse 26. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at the most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each one of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. Okay, verse 33 says this, for God is not the author, or says for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Okay, God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. So if there is people here, and man, God is really moving, and someone says, hey, I, you know, God's moving through me. I have the gift of languages. Now, first off, we want to see this. This is not something where it just takes over and you have no control. Because the Bible says this, if, 
It should be done in order and at two and at the most three, which means that you have control over this. If there's no one there to interpret, the Bible says that you should be quiet. So for someone that says that it's over in this camp, man, I just didn't know the Holy Spirit took over and I was just saying all this stuff, I would say to them, you are out of line. You're wrong because the Bible says it needs to be done in order. God is not the author of confusion. And at the most, three people. And if there's no one there to interpret, you shouldn't say anything. So that's how this works. It's not this crazy you know, babble that we see in Genesis. It is a known language, but unknown to the person. Now, here's the thing. The whole point of the gift is to build up the church, to build up the church. Now, if you're one of those people who says, hey, listen, I don't want that gift. Well, the Bible says that we should strive, strive for the gifts. And you're like, yeah, but that one would be embarrassing. I mean, what if this, what if this? I just tell you what the Bible says, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. So if you are one of those people that says, listen, I do not want that gift in your own prayer time with the Lord, you can kind of go back and forth and say, Lord, why is it that I don't want that? Why, don't I, why do I not want that? Now, maybe because you're on this side and you still say, Rusty, I love you, but I don't think the gifts are for today. Wherever you land, I just want to make sure that you have a solid foundation for where you're at. So we're going to kind of do a highlight, a conclusion of all these gifts. So the one, we should desire the gift of languages. The second is the gift of languages is man speaking to God. Man speaking to God, not God speaking to man. Language builds up the person speaking, but builds up the church if someone is able to interpret. Number four, Paul desires all the Corinthian church to speak in tongues. And you say, well, wait a minute, where's that, Rusty? Look at verse five. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. And the fifth thing, the gift of languages should be very orderly, should be very orderly, should not be chaotic. It says this in 27 and 28, if any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at the most three, and in each turn, and let someone interpret but if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. So that's the thing is that we want to be a people that love God's word. We want to be convinced of God's word. And so if this is something that is brand new to you and you're thinking, man, I have never heard it put like that. I, I, I'm here for you. I love to just continue to go through this. But we want to be a church that is biblical in all things, all things, even things that are probably um, strange to a lot of you. Maybe you haven't seen it very much. But if you look at the scripture and you kind of break it down, it's very, very clear. It's a known language in the world. It's unknown to the person. It is man speaking to God praises. If it's interpreted, it's a sign to unbelievers. 
We saw in Acts that they thought, how did you guys do that? Peter gets up and says, it's God. He proclaims the gospel. 3,000 people get saved. Now, was it because they got saved because of tongues? No, they got saved because Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins and they believed in Christ. But God used it as a sign to unbelievers. Now, transitioning to the gospel, if you don't know Christ, let me just share this with you. Jesus Christ is absolutely in love with you. And you might be thinking, what in the world is this guy talking about? Gifts of languages and everything? Well, here's what I want to say. Jesus Christ loves you. Man, and there was no higher way for him to demonstrate his love for you than him paying the penalty for everything that you've done wrong. And we've done a lot of things wrong. But man, he loves us. And the reason why there's an empty cross behind me is because we see that's where he was tortured. That's where he paid the penalty for our sins. The Bible says this, that he was buried, but on the third day he rose again on the third day. He demonstrated that he had power over sin and death. And the Bible says this, very clear, that if you ask Jesus to forgive you of all your sins, he's faithful and just and he will forgive you. He'll make you new. So no matter what that you've done, he'll wash it away. He'll make you born from above. And you don't have to fear death. You leave here with the assurance knowing that you're right with the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. You are so good and kind and merciful. Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would open their eyes. They would be drawn to you. Lord, they would know that you are true. Father, I just ask that you would continue to bless Russellville Baptist Church. Let us be a people that will go up to someone at a barbecue that we don't know, shake their hand, and say, man, we're glad you're here. No matter what that person looks like, Lord, help us to see every person as what they truly are, which is a creation of you, made in your image. So valuable that you died on the cross for them. Father, let, it, let us not be a judgmental people. Let us be a people that are full of grace and mercy. Father, let us be a people that are full of truth. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that you do. Pray for Russellville. Lord, this town. Pray you continue to bring people to you. Save them, Lord. Let us be a part of it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, if you'll stand with me, time of invitation. So this is kind of if you want to come up and you want to pray for someone or for someone else or you want to come up here and talk to me about something, about receiving the Lord as your Savior or joining a church or getting baptized, just kind of however the Lord leads you, you come.